right, rock and roll, welcome back, rock and roll. Welcome to Jay's Rock and Roll Stories. I'm your host, Jay. Let's just get back into it, right? Let's just get back into our New York Dolls Rock and Roll Odyssey Part 3. All right, so we got to rewind a little bit. So let's go back to November 4th, 1972. New York Dolls are about to open for Lou Reed. Lou Reed tells them to take a hike. Why? Why did he do this? Well, let's take a look at this. All right, the New York Dolls are the new New York band. The Velvet Underground, Lou Reed's band, broke up. Uh, Lou Reed is just coming off of his first solo record, which didn't do very well, came out in 71. Um, He's on tour promoting his songs for his upcoming album, Transformer, that will come out in November 8th of 72. Okay, so... All right, so Lou Reed tells New York Dolls to get lost. And uh, according to Sylvain Sylvain, this really hurt Billy because it's like, what the hell, man? This guy's our idol. He tells us to get lost. So that night, um, everyone's doing their own thing. Billy, Billy Mercia, their drummer, is by himself and he calls up Marty Thau asking him, I need five pounds. I need five pounds. Uh, these guy, th- this, these people invited me to their party. I need five pounds. Marty Thau says, come on over. He's at the hotel. I'll give you the money, and you can take the limo out to wherever your party needs to go, but tell the limo driver to come on back because we need that lim- limo tonight. All right. So, um, so Billy comes, gets the money, gets in a limo, goes off, and uh, the limo comes, goes back. The next day, no one knows where Billy is. Billy's dead. All right, this is what happened. Let's let's go down with this. So Billy goes to the party. Uh, he's really fucked up with this uh, girlfriend of his. Um, her name is Marilyn Woolhead. Uh, in the newspapers, she's uh, described as a quote-unquote model. But according to Arthur, the bass player, he says that uh, she was an international call girl with she had a bunch of ties to the mob, a bunch of ties to the mafia. So Billy goes to the party. He gets fucked up. Um, I guess what happened was he OD'd. This is according to the toxicology report was that um, he... OD'd on, on, under the influence of alcohol and uh, quaaludes, the Mandy's, uh, Mandrax. They, at the party, so he's not coming out. They're slapping him in the face. Come on, man, wake up. They put him in an ice bath. But on, his, uh, on, the, on the report of, of, of death, it said died of asphyxiation, meaning he, he drowned or he choked to death. So... They're saying that the party, uh, Marilyn and then the other people who were there, who, who scrammed right away, no one can find them, um, saying that he was in the tub and we tried to get him. We, we tried pouring uh, coffee down his throat to wake him up. We tried putting ice on his back. They probably threw him in the ice bath and just went back to partying and he probably drowned to death. So um, Marty Thau gets a phone call, uh, an anonymous phone call. No one knows who was it that made the phone call saying, uh, come to this address. 
where you can find Billy's body. Marty Thau goes there. The cops are already there. They, this was disturbing. They, they took his, his poor dead body and, and they kind of like sat him up in the bed. Um, so uh, Marty Thau goes there and, uh, you know, answering all these questions. Um, so the problem is, big problem, is that uh, that day, right before he got that phone call, Marty Thau, he was with Kit, Kit Lambert. Uh, Kit Lambert was the manager of The Who at the time. And um, Kit Lambert was uh, helping out Marty Thau to sign to track records for a hundred thousand pounds. Like right at that moment, they had the pen in hand. Uh, it was Marty Thau, Kit Lambert, Chris Stamp, Tony Secunda, all together about to sign it when he got the phone call. So now that this happened, uh, according to Marty Thau, like all all bets are off. I mean, um, what record company was going to invest any money? If they didn't even know if they're going to be able to carry on, would would it be worse? Would it be what? I mean, what's it going to be? How long would it take to break in the new drummer? So that's it. The, the, there's nothing they can do. Uh, there's one thing that happened is I th- thought was interesting in the book. It's talk is about, talks about how uh, Sylvain Sylvain he had no idea at this at this moment what's going on, but he had a dream that night. Uh, Sylvain Sylvain had a dream where Billy comes to him and says. So, Sil, I call him Sil. Sil, I gotta go now. And in the dream, Sylvain's like, "Okay, Billy, you gotta go. You gotta go. Don't, don't worry." And then when he found out, he he had such guilt, you know. Like if I knew what this, what he was talking about, I wouldn't say, "Don't go. Let's spend a little bit more time together," you know. So Sylvain, Sylvain's having a horrible time. That was his best friend. So Marty Thau sends all the dolls back to New York City uh, that morning. Uh, Billy died uh, November 6th, just just the day after the Lou Reed thing. So they're on the plane. The whole band's on the plane. <clears throat> they're in their usual attire, and they're all crying. Like the stewardess is coming up and saying, hey, what's wrong with you guys? And one of them says, we came as a band of five, and now we're leaving as a band of four. They're going back to New York City. It's, it's heartbreaking, really. So Sylvain moves into Billy's room. Uh, he moves back into Billy's room and he and he says it was it was weird. He says that Billy was his best friend. He was like my little brother. Uh, we'd done everything together. We, we were uh, little immigrants together at school. We were the immigrant kids at the school. Um, we had our struggles with all the clothes shops. We went through the '60s together, and he was he was the best. He was my best friend. They were schoolmates together. So the band is completely wrecked. Um, they were all brothers, you know. So this is the big. This is a big deal. Marty Marty Thau is just kind of fielding all these uh, phone calls from magazines from all over the world, giving their condolences, asking questions. David Bowie gives his condolences. And uh, speaking of David Bowie, this is interesting. Of um, his, I never, I've never understood this line in in a song by David Bowie until now. In David Bowie's album Aladdin Sane, he has a song called Time. And uh, there's one line in the song, in, in the song Time, that says, Time, in quaaludes and red wine, demanding Billy Dolls and other friends of mine, take your time. Now it makes a lot of sense, that song right there. So, um, so the band takes some time off. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't even know what, what to continue or, or what. Eventually... Um, Marty Thau gets word that the band wants to carry on and they are auditioning for new drummers. 
All right, in comes Jerry Nolan. Jerry Nolan is a drummer, and he has been just uh, a friend of the band. He was with them um, in the beginning. Um, Jerry Nolan's a drummer as well. Uh, Billy Mercia would borrow drum kits from Jerry Nolan. Jerry Nolan was a drummer for Susie Quattro. He played with other bands. He, he, he's just in the scene. They, they know Jerry. They're, he's like a band friend. But he's not very good at dolling it up. What does that mean? So once Jerry's in the band, he's so excited. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm a doll. Yes, I'm, I'm one of the dolls. Uh, they take him out shopping, and he, it's like he just doesn't get it, you know? And, and they, even, they even comment he looks ridiculous doing it. So it was just kind of funny how he, he just couldn't grasp that part. So they moved on. They did shows. They have some good re- reviews. They got some bad reviews. Uh, there's just a little interesting tidbit that Marty Thau uh, comments on. Marty Thau explains how there is a very powerful person in the industry and even today, he can't, uh, do, he can't say that name out loud. He, he can't declare wh- wh- who it is that said that do not sign this band. They're the corruption of the youth of today. Uh, keep them out. There, there's a person saying no, telling everyone, no, 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 do, do not do it. At the same time, there's, there's a lot of other band, bands just kind of sprout, sprouting out that are very inspired by the New York Dolls. Um, the, the stilettos, which is, which was, had the former Max's, uh, Max's Kansas City waitress, Debbie Harry in the band, some local bands, the Brats, Teenage Lust, um, the Harlots of 42nd Street. Um, aside from Aerosmith, uh, the most significant group from that era to be influenced by the dolls was Kiss. Um, Kiss is, uh, also established themselves at all the same places that the New York dolls are playing in New York. Um, a little tidbit here. Uh, Jerry Nolan, their drummer, uh, taught Peter Chris how to play drums. And uh, Arthur Kane, the bass player, it was, was a drinking buddy with Ace Freely, uh, Kiss's guitarist. So March 20th, 1973, uh, the Dolls signed a two-record deal with Mercury Records. Uh, they put up $25,000 advance and allowance for equipment, um, and a, another a little weekly weekly payment for each member of 200 bucks. So um, who's going to record them? Um, they try to get Phil Spector. David Bowie said he couldn't do it from other things that he's going on at the time. Who's going to do it? Todd Rundgren. Todd Rundgren records the band. It started out cool. They all piled into this little studio, uh, Studio B, at a record plant on 44th Street. They all got in there, the entourage, the friends and stuff. So as they're recording, they're also doing like photo shoots and stuff. Uh, coincidentally, next door, right at the next studio, next door is uh, James Taylor's brother, Livingston, Living- Livingston Taylor, who's recording like a little string quartet thing. He said he was completely terrified because like the dolls and all their friends were just like completely wasted on a little assortment of liquor, hash, and cocaine. It's not a fun party, you know? So anyway... Jerry Nolan uh, tells Marty Thau how he, he complained to Todd Rundgren saying, I mean, during the recording when, when they had like a playback and he's like, I don't really like the, the way you recorded my, my drums. Todd Rundgren says, how dare you? This is my drum sound. So there's, it's, it's back and forth between Todd Rundgren and the band. Some of them are having fun. Some of them are not. Johnny Thunders thinks it sounds good. 
Um, Sylvain Sylvain said, Jesus Christ couldn't even got, got these guys together. He did a great job. There's no way we could get everyone together to do this when one guy is saying, turn me up and turn the other guys down. Everyone's saying that. Um, so their album is released uh, July 27th, 1973, um, but the radio stations won't touch it. So that, that little voice with that little moralist in the industry is telling, no, 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 don't play it. Um, it's the imagery that really bothers him. It's, uh, the, the band is, is all decked out. They're laying on a couch and there's, there's just, uh, there's things that bothered, uh, people for some reason. There's like a purse, there's, uh, cigarettes, there's just, it's just the, the, the idea bothered the moralists of the in- industry at that time. So July 28th, um, they play at Tiger Stadium in Ohio. They're opening for Mott the Hoople who at the time were uh, riding high on their, their, their success of their single, um, All the Young Dudes, which was a gift by David Bowie, a little side tidbit here. That was David Bowie's favorite band, Mott the Hoople. When he heard that Mott the Hoople were going to break up, he decided, I'm going to write them a band. Guys, please don't break up. Here, here, have this song. Hit. Hit, hit, hit. All right, so anyway... While they're on that tour with Mata Hoople, um, at the same time, the Mercer Art Center, the place that they used to play, the Art Center, is reduced to rubble, collapsed. The, um, the Broadway Central Hotel collapsed on top of the Art Center. Luckily, no one, well, some people were there. I think there was a couple people there, and they, they were killed, but the band wasn't there. For, you know, the audience wasn't there. So that place is, is demolished. Um, their next shows are more closer to home. They go to a fashion show where they meet Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood, who, who at the time are pretty famous in England with, with their clothes shops and uh, selling like the Teddy Boy outfits and just kind of like a precursor punk rock uh, look of like cut up T-shirts and like cigarette burn holes in, in their shirts. Um, at this point, the dolls head to L.A. where they have a five night booking at the Whiskey A Go-Go. And all the teenage groupies are there welcoming them with open arms and open other things. So uh, anyway, so there's one 15-year-old Sable star who falls in love with Johnny Thunders after seeing him in a picture in the, uh, the magazine called Cream. Sable star falls in love with uh, Johnny Thunders. Meanwhile, Johnny and Sylvain are perusing through some magazines as well, and they see pictures of Sable star. Johnny declares, wow, this girl Sable Star, when I go to L.A., she'll be my girlfriend. Love, 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 how sweet. All right, let's talk about Arthur here, the bass player. Let's talk about his girlfriend at the time. So Arthur Kane, his girlfriend, is Connie. Uh, She was a dancer, a prostitute. Um, She got really, really pissed when Arthur told her, uh, sorry, baby, none of the girlfriends are allowed to come with us on the tour to L.A. They, they can't afford it. Connie's pissed. She's angry. Connie's very, very mad. So uh, Arthur's asleep, and he wakes up to Connie getting on top of him and straddling him with a knife. And she begins to stab him. And he's blocking, the def- defending, and he gets cut up in his hands. He tries to get up, but he looks down. Connie has tied his ankles together. Connie, Jesus Christ. So he's fighting with Connie. Finally, he pushes her off and she jumps out the window naked of the fire escape and disappears. Uh, 
Arthur goes to the hospital. He gets stitched up, and he has a cast on his hand, and he is not going to be able to play with the show. The band, the band is worried. The band is very worried about Arthur, like thinking, "Man, if he stays behind, he's going to freaking kill himself." Let's have him come with us, but he's not going to play. He's just going to be there. So Arthur goes with them on the tour with the band. Little side note here about about the little Connie Arthur fight. Um, this wasn't really a big deal. Well, I mean, this wasn't out of the ordinary. Arthur talks about how one of Connie's like little hobbies, she would uh, get naked and go hitchhiking naked, uh, midnight, one in the morning, whatever, um, just to watch the cars crash. That was like that was like a thing she liked to do. All right, so the dolls are playing at the Whiskey A Go Go uh, for five nights, and this sells out within three hours. It's everyone wants to be there. Okay, Sable Star, we mentioned before, the 15-year-old uh, groupie who is in love with Johnny Thunders, finds out where the uh, dolls are going to stay. Uh, they're going to be at the Continental Hyatt House on Sunset Boulevard. So Sable and a girlfriend of hers are outside when the dolls' limos pull up outside the hotel. Uh, Sable and her friend welcome them with presents. Uh, just a bunch of cool sex toys. Like, you know, crotchless underwear, things like that. And um, and Johnny recognizes her. She recognizes Johnny. Johnny asks, like, hey, do you want to come upstairs with me? And oh, they, they fall in love together. It's so nice. Um, seriously, Johnny Thunders wants to marry her. Uh, it's interesting. Sable's uh, sister, Coral, is also doing the same thing. Um, I guess Coral was um, dating Robert Plant while Sable was uh, hanging out with Jimmy Page. So um, at this time, the band is, is doing the crazy hotel parties, but uh, Sable and Johnny are just like uh, holding hands and going to shops and stuff. This is interesting because this is the around the same time uh, John and Yoko did. I wonder if they crossed paths. Anyway, so Coral, Sable's sister, starts dating Iggy Pop, right? Iggy Pop's in town, so they double date. How cute. Little double date, right? So... Iggy Pop was sort of responsible of getting uh, Johnny Thunders into heroin. Um, Lee Childers, who was sort of like a tour manager and, and like minder for um, Iggy Pop at the time, explains how uh, this, is, this is disturbing. Iggy Pop had this thing. He liked to convince someone to try it. He would tie them up. He would inject them. He would watch the blood come out and he would watch them having their first highs. Kind of disturbing. So they're all hanging out. They're shooting up and that kind of shit. So the dolls wrap up their uh, tour of LA, and it's it's pretty successful. And they head down south um, to Texas, which sounds like a bad idea. Anyway, so um, Sarinda Fox, who was one of their groupie friends in New York back in the day when they first started, is waiting for them at the airport in Texas. And um, there's she says how the Texas troopers are like following her watching her she's like what the what, what the hell is going on unbeknownst to her um uh sable star uh the girl we talked about before sable star sable star's mother called the texas police saying be on the lookout for my daughter she has run away with johnny thunders from the new york dolls so eventually um when they arrive they think that it's uh Serena Fox is Sable Star, and, and she she's questioned. She she finally she's able to prove her identity, and and 
and she's let go, but they do grab um, Sable Star. But Sable Star was, is able to call her mom and tell you know tell the cops to leave me alone. Let's just go. So anyway, so um, at the same time, there's a group of these self-appointed moral guardians. They are called the Mothers of Memphis. Uh, they are preparing to take down the vile New York Dolls. Um, so the Dolls had a successful show at Liberty Hall, no problem, in, uh, in uh, Houston. And they had another show at Gertie's in Dallas, no problem. So on their way to Memphis, uh, the band reads in the newspaper about this uh, Mothers of Memphis in the newspaper uh, saying that the New York Dolls are a group not to be seen. Mind your children. Keep them away from the New York Dolls. They are corrupt and they're evil. Well, what happened when uh, what happened about the show in Memphis? It sold out in two minutes. Uh, the place is uh, completely packed. They have lines and lines of cops doing that thing where you hook the arms together. Iggy Pop opens for the dolls. Um, everything's cool. There's no no problem. But as soon as the dolls start, that the riot begins. Like I guess a kid, like oh, these kids are into it. A kid jumped on the stage, ran up to David Joe, and give him gave him a kiss. And the cops there are just batting everyone with batons like they're beating kids they're knocking out these kids with batons uh david joe gets on the microphone and he's like trying to tell the cops like stop man what that kid you just hit what if that's the mayor's son come on man let's stop so it's it's awful um david joe gets arrested for uh quote unquote inciting a riot and he's in the police car and they're taking him down to the jail and he's like shit i'm Dressed like this, going to a jail in Memphis. Yeah, that's that's probably not going to be good. Uh, fortunately, luckily, when he's uh, uh, you know by the the time that he serves in in the little Memphis jail, all the other guys in the cell are asleep. So he's just quietly like, I'm just going to stay here in the corner, just hiding. No one can see me. So they, they, he gets out, no problem at all. So uh, they're off to uh, Detroit. Uh, they have a good, good show in Detroit. Um, I guess it's not surprising because uh, the Detroit crowd is is used to or were used to like Iggy Pop. Like he, he came from Michigan, in Ann Arbor, the MC5. So th- those are high energy bands. So the Detroit shows were good. Now they're off to Missouri. So uh, so they're in their um, in their in their room. And uh, the band that's going to be playing with them at the show in their room at the place is Leonard Skinnerd. That doesn't really seem, I don't know, that seems like there could be some conflict between those two bands, right? Anyway, so the New York Dolls uh, had a bunch of booze in their room. They had, I think they had like 12 bottles. Like, they're, they're fine. We're fine. We're going to hang out here with our bottles. But they could hear through the wall that Leonard Skinnerd was fighting because they had one bottle. They could hear them bitching, man, like, you know, that kind of shit, fighting over one bottle. So they go over and knock on the door. Hey, do you guys want to come over here? We have tons of shit. So the band, they, the two bands get together and um, they're, they smoke and they, they smoke and they drink together and they have like a really freaking awesome time. And it, and it, and it created like a bond, like, like it, it, that never ended. Like they became friends. Nice, right? Those two bands. All right. So where to next? Guess what? November 20th, 1973, 
Let's go back to England. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a little break. All right, thank you for being here for part three. Please come back for part four. On to England!